Reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam Mahima Stotram from the Sri Krishna Lila Stava by Srila Sanatana Goswami. What happened to our other? Yeah, we're not going to use it. We're going to switch back and forth. So uh, really? Yeah. How do you know? Good. Feedback from this. <clears throat> this is the glorification of Srimad Bhagavatam by Srila Sanatana Goswami, who, by the way, is the senior disciple of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Lord Chaitanya spent more time teaching Sanatana Goswami in terms of hours and months than any other uh, person on the planet. <clears throat> and he wrote this beautiful prayer glorifying the Srimad Bhagavatam, which if you assimilate it, hear it every day, it helps us to go deeper and appreciate what we're doing. It goes like this. Sarva Shastrabdipiyusha, Sarva Vedaika Satpala, Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja, Sarva Lokaika Drikprada. O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana. Srimad Bhagavata Prabho Kalidvandodita Ditya Sri Krishna Parivartita O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees O Master Srimad Bhagavatam You are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali You are the exact image of Sri Krishna Paramananda Pataya Premabharshakshadayate Sarvada Sarvasevyaya Shri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you who were supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Shri Krishna Himself. Madekabando Matsangin Madguroman Mahadana Manishtaragamad Bhagya Mad Ananda my only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu Sadhuta Dayin Atino Chochitakada Hanamunchagadachin Mam Premna Ritkanta Yospuda. O bestower of saintless to unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. We're reading from Krishna Book, Chapter 2 Prayers by the Demigods for Lord Krishna Within the Womb. We're taking up at our dear. The section where it says, at present, the demigods prayed. 
Our dear Lord, the demigods prayed. It is very difficult to understand your eternal form or personality. People in general are unable to understand your actual form. Therefore, you are personally descending to exhibit your original eternal form. Somehow, people can understand the different incarnations of your Lordship, but they are puzzled to understand the eternal form of Krishna with two hands moving among human beings exactly like one of them. This eternal form of your Lordship gives ever-increasing transcendental pleasure to the devotees. But for the non-devotees, this form is very dangerous. As stated in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is very pleasing to the sadhus. Paritradaya sadhunam. But this form is very dangerous for the demons because Krishna also descends to kill the demons. He is therefore simultaneously pleasing to the devotees and dangerous to the demons. Our dear lotus-eyed Lord, you are the source of pure goodness. There are many great sages who simply by samadhi or transcendentally meditating upon your lotus feet and thus being absorbed in your thought have easily transformed the great ocean of nations created by the material nature into no more than the water in a calf's hoofprint. The purpose of meditation is to focus the mind upon the personality of Godhead beginning from his lotus feet. Simply by meditation on the lotus feet of the Lord, great sages cross over this vast ocean of material existence without difficulty. O self-illuminated one, the great saintly persons who have crossed over the ocean of nations by the help of the transcendental boat of your lotus feet have not taken away that boat. It is still lying on this side. If one takes a boat to cross over a river, the boat also goes with one to the other side of the river. And so when one reaches the destination, how can the same boat be available to those who are still on this side? To answer this difficulty, the demigods say in their prayer that the boat of the Lord's lotus feet is not taken away. The devotees still remaining on this side are able to pass over the ocean of material nature because the pure devotees do not take the boat with them when they cross over. When one simply approaches the boat, the whole ocean of material nations is reduced to the size of water in the calf's hoofprint. Therefore, the devotees do not need to take the boat to the other side. They simply cross the ocean immediately. Because the great saintly persons are compassionate toward all conditioned souls, the boat is still lying on this side. In other words, one can meditate upon the lotus feet of the Lord at any time, and by so doing, one can cross over the great ocean of nations, of material existence. Meditation means concentration upon the lotus feet of the Lord. Lotus feet indicate the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but those who are impersonalists do not recognize the lotus feet of the Lord, and therefore their object of meditation is sometimes is something impersonal. The demigods express their mature verdict that persons who are interested in meditating on something void or impersonal cannot cross over the ocean of nations. Such persons are simply imagining that they have become liberated. O Lotus-eyed Lord, Their intelligence is contaminated because they fail to meditate upon the lotus feet of your Lordship. As a result of this neglectful activity, the impersonalists fall down again into the material way of conditioned life, although they may temporarily rise to the point of impersonal realization. 
impersonalists undergo severe austerities and penances to merge themselves into the Brahman effulgence or impersonal Brahman existence. But their minds are not free from material contamination. They have simply tried to negate the material ways of thinking. That does not mean that they have become liberated, thus they fall down. In the Bhagavad Gita it is stated that the impersonalist has to undergo great tribulation in realizing his ultimate goal. At the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam it is also stated that without devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one cannot achieve liberation from the material bondage, from the bondage of fruit of activities. The statement of Lord Krishna is there in the Bhagavad Gita and in Srimad Bhagavatam the statement of the great sage Narada is there. And here also the demigods confirm it. Persons who have not taken to devotional service are understood to have come short of the ultimate purpose of knowledge and are not favored by your grace. The impersonalists simply think that they are liberated, but actually they have no feeling for the personality of Godhead because they think that when Krishna comes into the material world, he accepts the material body. They therefore overlook the transcendental body of Krishna. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita. In spite of conquering material lust and rising to the point of liberation, the impersonalists fall down. If they are engaged just in knowing things for the sake of knowledge and do not take to the devotional service of the Lord, they cannot achieve the desired result. Their achievement is the trouble they take, and that is all. It is clearly stated in the Bhagavad Gita that to realize Brahman identification is not all. Brahman identification may help one become joyful without material attachment or detachment and to achieve the platform of equanimity. But after this stage, one has to take to devotional service. When one takes to devotional service, after being elevated to the platform of Brahman realization, then he is admitted, he is then admitted into the spiritual kingdom for permanent residence in association with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That is the result of devotional service. Those who were devotees of the Supreme Personality of Godhead never fall down like the impersonalists. Even if the devotees fall down, they remain affectionately attached to their Lord. They can meet all kinds of obstacles on the path of devotional service and freely, without any fear, they can surmount such obstacles. Because of their surrender, they are certain that Krishna will always protect them. As it is promised by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, my devotees are never vanquished. Our dear Lord, the demigods continued, You have appeared in your original, eternal form of unalloyed goodness for the welfare of all living entities within this material world. Taking advantage of your appearance, all of them can now very easily understand the nature <clears throat> and form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Persons who belong to the four divisions of the social order the brahmacharis, grihastas, vanaprastas, and sannyasis can all take advantage of your appearance. Dear Lord, husband of the goddess of fortune, 
Devotees who are dovetailed in your service do not fall down from their high position like the impersonalists. Being protected by you, the devotees are able to traverse over the heads of many of Maya's commanders-in-chief who can always put stumbling blocks on the path of liberation. Dear Lord, you appear in your eternal transcendental form for the benefit of the living entities so that they can see you face to face and offer their worshipful sacrifices by ritualistic performance of the Vedas, mystic meditation and devotional service as recommended in the scriptures. Dear Lord, if you did not appear in your eternal transcendental form full of bliss and knowledge, a form which can eradicate all kinds of speculative ignorance about your position, then all people would simply speculate about you according to their respective modes of material nature. <clears throat> the appearance of Krishna is the answer to all <clears throat> the appearance of Krishna is the answer to all imaginative iconography, iconography of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Everyone imagines the form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead according to his mode of material nature. In the Brahma Sangita, it is said that the Lord is the oldest person. Therefore, a section of religionists imagine that God must be very old and therefore they depict the form of the Lord as a very old man. But in the same Brahma Sangita, that is contradicted. Although he is the oldest of all living entities, he, his, he has his eternal form as a fresh youth. The exact words used in this connection in Srimad Bhagavatam are vijnana, ajnana, vidha, uh, pamarjanam. Vijnana means transcendental knowledge of the Supreme Absolute, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Vijnana is also experienced knowledge. Transcendental knowledge has to be accepted by the descending process of disciplic succession. As Brahma presents the knowledge of Krishna in the Brahma Sanghita. The Brahma Sanghita is Vijnanam as realized by Brahma's transcendental experience. And in that way, he presented the form and the pastimes of Krishna in the transcendental abode. This knowledge is ajnana bitab pamarjana, that which can smash all kinds of speculation in ignorance. People are imagining the form of the Lord. Sometimes he has no form and sometimes he has form according to their different imaginations. But the presentation of Krishna in the Brahma Sangita is vijnana, vijnanam, scientific, experienced knowledge given by Lord Brahma and accepted by Lord Chaitanya. There is no doubt about it. Krishna's form, Krishna's flute, Krishna's color, everything is reality. Here it is said that this vijnanam is always defeating all kinds of speculative knowledge. Therefore, Without your appearing as Krishna, as you are, neither ajnana, vitapa, marjanam, destruction of the nations of speculative knowledge, nor vijnanam would be realized. 
In other words, your appearance will vanquish the ignorance of, his, of speculative knowledge and establish the real, experienced knowledge of, of authorities, like Lord Brahma. Men influenced by the three modes of material nature imagine their own God according to the modes of material nature. In this way, God is presented in various ways, but your appearance will establish what the real form, real God, the real form of God is. The highest blunder committed by the impersonalist is to think that when the incarnation of God comes, he accepts the form of matter in the mode of goodness. Actually, the form of Krishna or Narayan is transcendental to any material idea. Even the greatest impersonalist, Sankaracharya, has admitted Narayana paro vyakta. The material creation is caused by the avyakta, impersonal manifestation of matter, or the non-phenomenal total reservoir of matter. But Krishna is transcendental to that material conception. That is expressed in Srimad Bhagavatam as Vishuddha Sattva, or transcendental goodness. He does not belong to the material mode of goodness, and he is above the position of material goodness. He belongs to the transcendental eternal status of bliss and knowledge. Dear Lord, when you appear in your different incarnations, you take different names and forms according to different situations. <clears throat> Lord Krishna is your name because you are all attractive. You are called Shamasundar because of your transcendental beauty. Shama means blackish, yet it is said that you are more beautiful than thousands of cupids, Kandarpakoti Kamaniya. Although you appear in a color which is compared to the blackish cloud, because you are the transcendental absolute, your beauty is many, many times more attractive than the delicate body of Cupid. Sometimes you are called Giridari because you lifted the hill known as Govardhana. You are sometimes called Nandanandana or Vasudev or Devaki Nandana because you appear as the son of Maharajananda or Vasudev and Devaki. Impersonalists think that your many names or forms are given according to a particular type of work and quality because they accept you from the position of a material observer. Our dear Lord, the way of understanding is not to study your absolute nature, form, and activities by mental speculation. One must, under, one must engage himself in devotional service, then one can understand your absolute nature and your transcendental form, name, and qualities. Actually, only a person who has a little taste for the service of your lotus feet can understand your transcendental nature or form and qualities. Others may go on speculating for millions of years, but it is not possible for them to understand even a single part of your actual position. In other words, the Supreme Personality of God at Krishna cannot be understood by the non-devotees because there is a curtain of Yoga Maya which covers Krishna's actual features. As confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita, Naham Prakasha Sarvasya, the Lord says, I am not exposed to anyone and everyone. When Krishna came, he was actually present on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, and everyone saw him. But not everyone could understand that he was the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Still, everyone who died in his presence attained complete liberation from material bondage and was transferred to the spiritual world. O Lord, the impersonalists or non-devotees cannot understand that your name is identical with your form. Since the Lord is absolute, there is no difference between his name and his actual form. 
In the material world, there is a difference between form and name. The mango fruit is different from the name of the mango. One cannot taste the mango fruit simply by chanting mango, mango, mango. But the devotee, who knows that there is no difference between the name and the form of the Lord, chants Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, and realizes that he is always in Krishna's company. For persons who are not very advanced in absolute knowledge of the Supreme, Lord Krishna exhibits his transcendental pastimes. Such persons can simply think of the pastimes of the Lord and get full benefit. Since there is no difference between the transcendental name and form of the Lord, there is no difference between the transcendental pastimes and the form of the Lord. For those who are less intelligent, like women, laborers, or the mercantile class, the great sage Vyasadeva wrote the Mahabharata. In the Mahabharata, Krishna is present in his different activities. The Mahabharata's history, and simply by studying, hearing, and memorizing the transcendental activities of Krishna, recounted therein, the less intelligent can also <clears throat> gradually rise to the standard of pure devotees. The pure devotees who are always absorbed in the thought of the transcendental lotus feet of Krishna and who are always engaged in devotional service in full Krishna consciousness are never to be considered in the material world. Srila Rupa Goswami has explained that those who are always engaged in Krishna consciousness with body, mind and activities are to be considered liberated even within this body. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita. Those who are engaged in the devotional service of the Lord have already transcended the material position. <clears throat> Krishna appears in order to give a chance to both the devotees and the non-devotees for realization of the ultimate goal of life. The devotees get the direct chance to, to see him and worship him. Those who are not on that platform get the chance to become acquainted with his activities and thus become elevated to the same position. Our dear Lord, O Supreme Controller, when you appear on earth, all the demons like Kangsa and Jarasandha will be vanquished and all good fortune will be ushered into the world. When you walk on the globe, your lotus feet will impress on the ground the marks of your souls, such as the flag, the trident, and the thunderbolt. Thus you will grace both the earth and us on the heavenly planets, who shall see those, see those marks. O oh dear Lord, the demigods continued, You are unborn, therefore we do not find any reason for your appearance other than for your pleasurable pastimes. Although the reason for your appearance of the Lord as although the reason for the appearance of the Lord is stated in the Bhagavad Gita, he descends just to give protection to the devotees and vanquish the non-devotees. Actually, he descends for his pleasure meeting with the, with the devotees, not really to vanquish the non-devotees. The non-devotees can be vanquished simply by one kick of material nature. The actions and reactions of material nature, creation, maintenance and annihilation, are being carried out automatically. But simply by taking shelter of your holy name, the devotees are fully protected because your holy name and your personality are non-different. The protection of the devotees and the annihilation of the non-devotees 
are actually not the business of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. When he descends, it is just for his transcendental pleasure. There cannot be any other reason for his appearance. Our dear Lord, you are appearing as the best of Yadu dynasty, and we are offering <clears throat> and we are offering our respectful, humble obeisances unto your lotus feet. Before this appearance, you also appeared as the fish incarnation, as the horse incarnation, as the tortoise incarnation, as the half man, half lion incarnation, as the boar incarnation, as the swan incarnation, as King Ramachandra, as Parasharam, and as many other incarnations. You appeared just to protect the devotees, and we request you in your present appearance as the Supreme Personality of Godhead Himself to give us similar protection all over the three worlds and remove all obstacles for the peaceful execution of our lives. Dear Mother Devaki, within your womb, <coughs> dear Mother Devaki, within your womb is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, appearing along with all His plenary extensions. He is the original Personality of Godhead, appearing for our welfare. Therefore, you should not be afraid of your brother, the King of Boja, your son, Lord Krishna, who is the original Personality of Godhead, will appear for the protection of the pious Yadu dynasty. The Lord is appearing not alone, but accompanied by His immediate plenary portion, Baladev. Devaki was very much afraid of her brother Kangsa, because he had already killed so many of her children. So she was very anxious about Krishna. In the Vishnu Purana it is stated that in order to pacify Devaki, all the demigods, along with their wives, used to visit her to encourage her not to be afraid that her son would be killed by Kangsa. Krishna, who was within her womb, was to appear not only to diminish the burden of the world, but specifically to protect the interests of the Yadu dynasty, and certainly to protect Devaki and Basudev. It is understood that Krishna had been transferred from the mind of Vasudev to the mind of Devaki, and from there to her womb. Thus Devaki, the mother of Krishna, was worshipable for all the demigods. After thus worshipping the transcendental form of the Lord, all the demigods, with Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva placed in front, departed for their heavenly abodes. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purport of the second chapter of Krishna. Prayers by the demigods for Lord Krishna in the womb. Chapter 3, The Birth of Lord Krishna In the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says that His appearance, birth and activities are all transcendental and that one who understands them factually becomes immediately eligible to be transferred to the spiritual world. The Lord's appearance or birth is not like that of an ordinary man who is forced to accept the material body according to his past deeds. The Lord's appearance is explained in the second chapter. He appears out of His own sweet pleasure. When the time was mature for the appearance of the Lord, 
the constellations became very auspicious. The astrological influence of the star, known as Rohini, was predominant. This star is considered to be very auspicious and is under the direct supervision of Brahma. According to the astrological conclusion, besides the proper situation of the stars, there are auspicious and inauspicious moments due to the different situations of the different planetary systems. At the time of Krishna's birth, the planetary systems were automatically adjusted so that everything became auspicious. At that time, in all directions, east, west, south, north, everywhere, there was an atmosphere of peace and prosperity. There were auspicious stars visible in the sky and on the surface in all towns and villages and pasturing grounds, and within the minds of everyone there were signs of good fortune. The rivers were flowing full of waters, and lakes were beautifully decorated with lotus flowers. The forests were full with beautiful birds and peacocks. All the birds within the forest began to sing with sweet voices, and the peacocks began to dance along with their consorts. The wind blew very pleasantly, carrying the aroma of different flowers and greatly pleasing the sense of touch. At home, the brahmanas who were accustomed to offering sacrifices in the fire found their homes very pleasant for offerings. Due to disturbances created by the demoniac kings, the sacrificial fire had been almost stopped in the houses of brahmanas, but now they could find the opportunity to start the fire peacefully. Being forbidden to offer sacrifices the brahmanas had been very much distressed in mind, intelligence, and activities. But just on the point of Krishna's appearance, automatically their minds became full of joy because they could hear transcendental vibrations in the sky proclaiming the appearance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. <clears throat> the denizens of the Gandharva and Kinara planets began to sing and the denizens of Siddhaloka and the planets of the Charanas began to offer prayers in the service of the Personality of Godhead. In the heavenly planets, the angels and their wives, along with the Vidyadras and their wives, began to dance. The great sages and the demigods, being pleased, began to shower flowers. At the seashore, there was the sound of mild waves, and above the sea, there were clouds in the sky, which began to thunder very pleasingly. When things were adjusted like this, Lord Vishnu, who is residing within the heart of every living entity, appeared in the darkness of night as the Supreme Personality of Godhead before Devaki, who appeared as one of the demigoddesses. The appearance of Lord Vishnu at that time could be compared to the rising of the full moon over the eastern horizon. The objection may be raised that since Lord Krishna appeared on the eighth day of the waning moon, there could be no rising of the full moon. In answer to this, it may be said that Lord Krishna appeared in the dynasty which is in the hierarchy of the moon. Therefore, although the moon was incomplete on that night, because of the Lord's appearance in the dynasty wherein the moon is himself the original person, the moon was in an overjoyous condition. So by the grace of Krishna, he could appear just like a full moon. In an astronomical treatise by the name Kamanikya, the constellations at the time of the appearance of Lord Krishna are very nicely described. It is confirmed that the child born at the auspicious moment was the Supreme Brahman or the Absolute Truth. 
Vasudeva saw that wonderful child born as a baby with four hands, holding conch shell, club, disc, and lotus flower, decorated with the mark of Shivatsa, wearing the jeweled necklace of Kaushtuba stone, dressed in yellow silk, appearing dazzling like a bright blackish cloud, wearing a helmet bedecked with the Vaidurya stone, valuable bracelets, earrings, and similar other ornaments all over his body, and, a beautifi and beautified by an abundance of hair on his head. Due to the extraordinary features of the child, Vasudeva was struck with wonder. How could a newly born child be so decorated? Vasudeva could therefore understand that Lord Krishna had now appeared, and he became overpowered by the occasion. Vasudeva very humbly wondered that although he was an ordinary living entity conditioned by material nature and was externally imprisoned by Kangsa, the all-pervading personality of Godhead Vishnu or Krishna was appearing as a child in his home, exactly in his original position. No earthly child is born with four hands, decorated with ornaments and nice clothing, fully equipped with all the signs of the personality of Godhead. Over and over again, Vasudev glanced at his child and he considered how to celebrate this auspicious moment. Generally, when a male child is born, he thought, people observe the, the occasion with jubilant celebrations. And in my home, although I am imprisoned, the Supreme Personality of God has taken birth. How many millions and millions of times should I be prepared to observe this auspicious ceremony? When Vasudev, who is also called Anakadundubi, was looking at his newborn baby, he was so happy that he wanted to give many thousands of cows in charity to the Brahmanas. According to the Vedic system, whenever there is an auspicious ceremony in the Kshatriya king's palace, out of joy the king gives many things in charity. Cows decorated with golden ornaments are delivered to the Brahmanas and sages. Vasudev wanted to perform a charitable ceremony to celebrate Krishna's appearance, but because he was shackled within the walls of Kamsa's prison, this was not possible. Instead, within his mind, he gave thousands of cows to the Brahmanas. <clears throat> when Vasudeva was convinced that the newborn child was the Supreme Personality of Godhead himself, he bowed down with folded hands and began to offer him prayers. At that time, Vasudeva was in the transcendental position and he became completely free from all fear of Kangsa. The newborn baby was also flashing his effulgence within the room in which he appeared. Vasudev then began to offer his prayers. My dear Lord, I can understand who you are. You are the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Supersoul of all living entities and the Absolute Truth. <clears throat> you have appeared in your eternal form, which is directly perceived by us. I understand that because I am afraid of Kangsa, you have appeared just to deliver me from that fear. You do not belong to this material world. You are the same person who brings about the cosmic manifestation simply by glancing over material nature. One may argue that the Supreme Personality of Godhead who creates the whole cosmic manifestation simply by his glance, cannot come within the womb of Devaki, the wife of Vasudev. To eradicate this argument, <clears throat> Vasudev said, My dear Lord, it is not a very wonderful thing that you have appeared within the womb of Devaki, 
because the creation was also made in that way. You were lying in the causal ocean as Mahavishnu and by your breathing process innumerable universes came into existence. When you entered into each of the universes as Garbhodakashayi Vishnu, then you entered into each of the universes as Garbhodakashayi Vishnu. Then again, you expanded yourself as Shirodakashayi Vishnu and entered into the hearts of all living entities and even within the atoms. Therefore, your entrance into the womb of Devaki is understandable in the same way. You appear to have entered, but you are simultaneously all-pervading. We can understand your entrance and non-entrance from material examples. The total material energy remains intact even after being divided into 16 elements. The material body is nothing but the combination of the five gross elements, namely earth, water, fire, air, and ether. Whenever there is a material body, it appears that such elements are newly created. But actually, the elements are always existing outside of the body. Similarly, although you have appeared as a child in the womb of Devaki, you are also existing outside you are always in your abode, but still you can simultaneously expand yourself into millions of forms. One has to understand your appearance with great intelligence because the material energy is also emanating from you. You are the original source of the material energy, just as the sun is the source of the sunshine. The sunshine cannot cover the sun globe nor can the material energy, being an emanation from you, cover you. You appear to be in the three modes of material nature, but actually the three modes of material nature cannot cover you. This is understood by the highly intellectual philosophers. In other words, although you appear to be within the material energy, you are never covered by it. We hear from the Vedic version that the Supreme Brahman exhibits his effulgence and therefore everything becomes illuminated. We can understand from the Brahma Sangita that the Brahma Jyoti or the Brahman effulgence emanates from the body of the Supreme Lord and from the Brahman effulgence all creation takes place. It is also stated in the Bhagavad Gita that the Lord is the support of the Brahman effulgence. Therefore, originally, he is the root cause of everything. But persons who are less intelligent think that when the Supreme Personality of Godhead comes within this material world, he accepts the material qualities. Such conclusions are not very mature, but are made by the less intelligent. <clears throat> the Supreme Personality of Godhead is directly and indirectly existing everywhere. He is outside this material creation <clears throat> and he is also within it. He is within this material creation not only as Garbhodakshai Vishnu, he is also within the atom. The existence of the atom is due to his presence. Nothing can, nothing can be separated from his existence. 
In the Vedic injunctions, we find that the Supreme Soul, or the root cause of everything, has to be searched out, because nothing exists independently of the Supreme Soul. Therefore, the material manifestation is also a transformation of His potency. Both inert matter and the living force, the soul, are emanations from Him. Only the foolish conclude that when the Supreme Lord appears, He accepts the conditions of matter. Even when He appears to have accepted a material body, He is still not subjected to any material condition. Krishna has therefore appeared and defeated all imperfect conclusions about the appearance and disappearance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. My Lord, your appearance, existence and disappearance are beyond the influence of the material qualities. Because your Lordship is the Supreme Brahman and the controller of everything, there is nothing inconceivable or contradictory in you. As you have said, material nature works under your superintendence, just like a government officer working under the orders of the chief executive. The influence of subordinate activities cannot affect you. Since you are the Supreme Brahman, everything is existing within you, and since all the activities of material nature are controlled by your Lordship, none of these activities affect you. You are called Shuklam. Shuklam, or whiteness, is the symbolic representation of the Absolute Truth because it is unaffected by the material qualities. Lord Brahma is called Rakta, or red, because Brahma represents the quality of passion for creation. Darkness is entrusted to Lord Shiva because he annihilates the cosmos. The creation, annihilation and maintenance of this cosmic manifestation are conducted by your potencies, yet you are always unaffected by those qualities. As confirmed in the Vedas, Harir, He, Nirgunat, Sakshat, the Supreme Personality of Godhead is always free from all material qualities. It is also said that the qualities of passion and ignorance are non-existent in the person of the Supreme Lord. My Lord, you are the Supreme Controller, the Personality of Godhead, the Supreme Great, maintaining the order of this cosmic manifestation. Yet in spite of your being the Supreme Controller, you have so kindly appeared in my home. The purpose of your appearance is to kill the followers of the demoniac rulers of the world who are in the dress of royal princes but are actually demons. I am sure that you will kill all of them and their followers and soldiers. I understand that you have appeared in order to kill the uncivilized Kamsa and his followers. But knowing that you were to appear in order to kill him and his followers, he has already killed so many of your predecessors, your elder brothers. Now he is simply awaiting the news of your birth. As soon as he hears about it, he will immediately appear with all kinds of weapons to kill you. After this prayer of Vasudev, Devaki, the mother of Krishna, offered her prayers. She was very frightened because of her brother's atrocities. Devaki said, My dear Lord, 
Your eternal forms like Narayan, Lord Rama, Hayashirsha, Varaha, Narsingha, Vamana, Baladev, and millions of similar Your form was existing before this cosmic manifestation was created. Your forms are eternal and all-pervading. They are self-effulgent, changeless, and uncontaminated by the material qualities. Such eternal forms are ever cognizant and full of bliss. They are situated in transcendental goodness and are always engaged in different pastimes. You are not limited to a particular form only. All such transcendental eternal forms are self-sufficient. I can understand that you are the Supreme Lord Vishnu. After many millions of years, when Lord Brahma comes to the end of his life, the annihilation of the cosmic manifestation takes place. At that time, the five elements, namely earth, water, fire, air, and ether, enter into the Mahatattva. The Mahatattva then enters by the force of time into the non-manifested total material energy. The total material energy enters into the energetic pradhana, and the pradhana enters into you. Thus, after the annihilation of the whole cosmic manifestation, you alone remain with your transcendental name, form, qualities, and paraphernalia. My Lord, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you because you are the director of the unmanifested total energy and the ultimate reservoir of the material nature. My Lord, the whole cosmic manifestation is under the influence of time, beginning from the moment up to the duration of the year. All act under your direction. You are the original director of everything and the reservoir of all potent energies. All the conditioned souls are con con continually fleeing from one body to another and one planet to another, yet they do not get free from the onslaught of birth and death. But when one of these fearful living entities comes under the shelter of your lotus feet, he can lie down without anxiety of being attacked by formidable death. This statement by Devaki is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita by the Lord himself. There the Lord says that even after traveling all over the universe from Brahmaloka to Pataloka, one cannot escape the attack of birth, death, disease, and old age. But one who enters the kingdom of God, the Lord says, is never again obliged to come to the material world. Therefore, my Lord, I request you to save me from the cruel hands of Kamsa, the son of Ugrasena. I am praying to your Lordship to please rescue me from this fearful condition because you are always ready to give protection to your servitors. The Lord has confirmed this statement in the Bhagavad Gita by assuring Arjuna, you may declare to the world that my devotee shall never be vanquished. While thus praying to the Lord for rescue, Mother Devaki nonetheless expressed her motherly affection. I understand that this transcendental form is generally perceived in meditation by the great sages, but I am still afraid, because as soon as Kamsa understands that you have appeared, he might harm you. So I request that for the time being you become invisible to our material eyes. In other words, she requested the Lord to assume the form of, another, of an ordinary child. My only cause of fear from my brother Kamsa is due to your appearance. My Lord Madhusudana Kamsa may not know that you are already born, Therefore, I request you to conceal this forearmed form of your Lordship, which holds the four symbols of Vishnu, namely the conch shell, the disc, the club, and the lotus flower. My dear Lord, at the end of the annihilation of the cosmic manifestation, 
you put the whole universe within your abdomen. Still, by your unalloyed mercy, you have appeared in my womb. I am surprised that you imitate the activities of ordinary human beings just to please your devotee. On hearing the prayers of Devaki, the Lord replied, My dear mother, in the millennium of Swayambhuvamanu, my father Vasudev was living as one of the Prajapatis. His name at that time was Sutapa, and you were his wife, Prishni. At that time, when Lord Brahma was desiring to increase the population, he requested you to generate offspring. You controlled your senses and performed severe austerities. By practicing the breathing exercises of the yoga system, both you and your husband could tolerate all the influences of the material nature, of the material laws, rather. The rainy season, the onslaught of the wind, and the scorching heat of the sunshine. You also executed all religious principles. In this way, you were able to cleanse your heart and control the influences of the material laws. In executing your austerity, you used to eat only the leaves of the trees which fell to the ground. Then, with a steady mind and controlled sex drive, you worshipped me, desiring some wonderful benediction from me. Both of you practiced severe austerities for 12,000 years by calculation of the demigods. During that time, your mind was always absorbed in me. When you were executing devotional service and always thinking of me within your heart, I was very much pleased with you. O sinless mother, your heart is therefore always pure. At that time also, I appeared before you in this form just to fulfill your desire. And I asked you to ask whatever you desired. At that time, you wished to have me born as your son. Although you saw me personally, instead of asking for your complete liberation from material bondage, under the influence of my energy, you asked to become your son. You asked me to become your son. In other words, to appear in the material world, the Lord selected his mother and father, namely Prishni and Sutapa, respectively. Whenever the Lord comes as a human being, he must have a mother and a father. So he selected Prishni and Sutapa perpetually as his mother and father. And on account of this, neither Prishni nor Sutapa could ask the Lord for liberation. Liberation is not so important as the transcendental loving service of the Lord. The Lord could have awarded Prishni and Sutapa immediate liberation, but he preferred to keep them within the material world for his di different appearances, as will be explained in the following verses. On receiving the benediction from the Lord to become his father and mother, Prishni and Sutapa retired from the activities of austerity and lived as husband and wife in order to beget a child who was the Supreme Lord Himself. In due course of time, Prishni became pregnant and gave birth to the child. The Lord spoke to Devaki and Vasudev. At that time my name was Prishni Garba. In the next millennium you took birth as Aditi and Kashapa, and I became your child of the name Upendra. At that time, my form was just like a dwarf, and for this reason, I was known as Vamanadev. I gave you the benediction 
that I would take birth as your son three times. The first time I was known as Prishni Garba, born of Prishni and Sutapa. In the next birth I was Upendra, born of Aditi and Kashapa. And now for the third time I am born as Krishna from you, Devaki and Vasudev. I have appeared in this Vishnu form just to convince you that I am the same Supreme Personality of Godhead, again taken birth. I could have appeared just like an ordinary child, but in that way you would not have believed that the Supreme Personality of Godhead had taken birth from your womb. My dear father and mother, you have therefore raised me many times as your child with great affection and love. And I am therefore very much pleased and obliged to you. And I assure you that this time you shall go back home, back to Godhead, on account of your perfection and your mission. I know you are very concerned about me and afraid of Kamsa. Therefore I order you to take me immediately to Gokula and exchange me for the daughter who has just been born to Yashoda. Having spoken thus to his father and mother, the Lord turned himself into an ordinary child in their presence and remained silent. <clears throat> Being ordered by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vasudeva prepared to take his son from the delivery room and exactly at that time, a daughter was born to Nanda and Yashoda. She was Yogamaya, the internal potency of the Lord. By the influence of this internal potency, Yogamaya, all the residents of Kangsa's palace, especially the doorkeepers, were overwhelmed with deep sleep and all the palace doors opened, although they were barred and shackled with iron chains. The night was very dark, but as soon as Vasudev took Krishna on his lap and went out, he could see everything, just as in the day sunlight. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said that Krishna is just like sunlight and that wherever there is Krishna, the illusory energy, which is compared to darkness, cannot remain. When Vasudeva was carrying Krishna, the darkness of the night disappeared. All the prison doors automatically opened. At the same time, there was roaring thunder in the sky and severe rainfall. While Vasudeva was carrying his son Krishna in the falling rain, Lord Shesha, in the shape of a serpent, spread his hood over the head of Vasudeva so that he could, would not be hampered in, by the rainfall. Vasudeva came onto the bank of the Yamuna and saw that the water of the Yamuna was roaring with waves and that the whole span was full of foam. Still, in that furious feature, the river gave passage to Vasudev to cross, just as the great Indian Ocean gave a path to Lord Rama when he was bridging over the gulf. In this way, Vasudev crossed the river Yamuna. On the other side, he went to the place of Nanda Maharaj, situated in Gokula, where he saw that all the cowherd men were fast asleep. He took the opportunity to silently enter the house of Yashoda and without difficulty he exchanged his son for the baby, baby girl newly born there. 
Then, after entering the house very silently and exchanging the boy for the girl, he returned to the prison of Kangsa and silently put the girl on the lap of Devaki. He again clamped the shackles on himself so that Kangsa could not recognize that so many things had happened. Mother Yashoda understood that a child had been born to her, but because she was very tired from the labor of childbirth, she fell fast asleep. When she awoke, she could not remember whether she had given birth to a male or a female child. Thus, in the Bhaktivedanta purport to, of the third chapter of Krishna, the birth of Lord Krishna. Not to the Armarman, 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 not to the Armarman.